0: you are listening to propelling a micro drones podcast hello everyone welcome to propelling a micro drones podcast i'm your host daniel litwin the voice of b2b If you've been following along with our content on our website, you know the Microdrones Teams was recently on Market Scale Mornings, which is a B2B morning talk show where they broke down some of the more exciting use cases around the corner for the drone-become-full-solution industry. That was something else we unpacked on that show as well. You should definitely give it a watch. But one of the most surprising new markets kind of emerging and taking hold, uh, was using UAVs for crime and crash scene analysis. And we wanted to explore the ins and outs of drones in that market. So today we're doing just that with a full panel of guests. So down the line, I'd like to welcome Rick Rahel, West Region Sales Manager for Microdrones. Steve McKinsey, owner of CSI Mapping. Kurt Haberlack a reconstructionist for McKinsey and Associates, and Chris Caberline, accident reconstructionist for McKinsey and Associates. Rick, Steve, Kurt, and Chris, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited for this panel, and it's good to have you all on. Thanks, Daniel. Good afternoon to you.
1: Yes, thank you. Welcome. Glad to be here.
0: So, since we have so many of you on the podcast, I'm going to structure this one a little more so than some of our other podcasts we've done here on Propelling. Uh, I'm going to direct questions to individual guests on this panel, and then I'm going to leave the floor open for only one more of you to chime in with additional thoughts per question. That way, we don't linger on uh, subjects too long and can move along with the conversation. I'll also have a few questions here where I open it up to the floor and let the answers be sort of a free for all discussion. where each of you can chime in if you'd like, but it would be good to hear from all of you uh, during those open answer questions at least once. So let's jump in and start with a more open-ended question just to get a sense for the opportunity in this market. So this is for all of you, and anyone can take the initiative here to start off the conversation, but how impactful do each of you think drones are going to be for the future of crime scene and crash investigation?
2: Daniel, this is Steve. Let me uh, give you some thoughts that I have on that particular topic. Uh, You know, UAS are a a multi-purpose tool for crime and crash scenes. Not only are they useful in in the photogrammetry aspect of um, uh, their application, but those photographs are key to the generation of maps using photogrammetry. So we're able to use the orthomosaic images that are created from uh, software from the images that the drone has captured in the courtroom uh, that gives jurors a real bird's eye view of what the CSI investigator or the witnesses are talking about during testimony. Additionally, the investigator makes use of the geometry from the photogrammetry in their analysis. Um, the additional contribution that a UAS makes is is really unseen. Crime scenes and vehicular crashes uh, are disruptive to free movement of of our citizens. So. Uh, you know, these incidents create detours, or in some cases, they simply trap vehicles on the highway with no way to escape around the incident. Um, This is economically uh, detrimental to the economy in in the areas where these events take place. And on a national scale, the the amount of dollars we're talking about are just enormous. So our ability to reduce on-scene time using this technology is, is really beneficial to everyone
3: and, and Daniel I'd like to just add to what Steve said Um Utilizing a drone at an accident scene or, or a crime scene, uh, number one, you can cover a large area rather quickly and it'll open up that roadway allow the investigators to safely investigate it without being anywhere near the roadway or on the roadway. And on your large crime scenes, you can certainly document an area much more quickly and get that area opened back up to the public uh, in a more timely fashion.
4: And Dan, in addition to the, you know, the speed, obviously this is a, Uh, you know, an emerging technology. And as people become more comfortable with what it can do for us, um, you know, what exactly it is, the product that we get from the drone, then the big benefit is going to be speeding up that process of data collection as people come to trust it. But another thing it's doing for us, another big impact it's having, is it's giving us the ability to capture evidence from an entirely new perspective that we couldn't previously achieve. Um, I've spent time, you know, in a ladder truck uh, on, with the fire department trying to get up above a scene and taking a top down view. And that, That takes so much time and manpower and and safety harnesses and briefings and and approval from higher ups. um, And it's not available to everybody. Um, And even then, you know, you're limited on the perspective that you get, you know, with, with the drone, we can go just about anywhere and capture from just about any angle.
1: Yeah, so to agree with actually everything they've been saying, um, these guys are using the drones for forensic mapping in the field every single day. They've been through some of the traditional methods and data collection on these crime scenes or crash reconstruction scenes. Um, So they've really hit the nail on the head of of showcasing what the capabilities of a drone are in the emerging technology in the field.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with all of you on those points, um, specifically the mention of data. Uh, if if only for the fact that so many other industries are finding so much use in deep data and having a wide array of data points to work from to draw conclusions for actionable business decisions when we're dealing with now crime or crash scene investigation you know those uh, those data points are essential for either figuring out what caused the crash or figuring out who caused the crime, right? I mean, this this kind of thing could save lives. Um, it could also just help come to conclusions faster and in a more efficient way. So it is exciting to see, and we're going to continue to unpack that here. So this first question is for Steve. And again, reminder, um, I'd like to open the floor to one other person to chime in after um, each directed person gives their response. So just reminder on that. But Steve, this first question is for you. You're the owner of CSI Mapping, which is a forensic mapping systems company that's been in the tech and training scene for 20 years now. What sort of opportunities for technology did you see in forensic mapping in the early days and what gaps did you feel really needed filling?
2: You know, Daniel, the the development of forensic mapping uh, was, was um, born out of necessity um there was you know in the in the early 1990s uh, I think everybody in the accident reconstruction or crime scene reconstruction community realized that that um, uh, measurements taken with a roller tape or a tape measure were were not a thing of the past uh, but certainly it was time to supplement those with with more modern technology and one of the things that we were looking for was an ability to improve uh, prove the accuracy of uh, data that we were capturing. Uh, we wanted uh, a better method to record that data, uh, an opportunity to share data uh, between platforms. And and obviously uh, every officer um, is always concerned about the quality of the product that they uh, produce and that's either produced in the form of a report or in the courtroom presentation. So forensic mapping was also a method to improve uh, the presentation of that data that was being captured in the field in a more professional manner and in a more accurate manner. And so that's, that's what we were really after and, and you can understand how a computer generated diagram uh, is more professional than a hand drawn sketch. Well, when we compare that, um computer aided drafting diagrams to what we have today is is an orthomosaic uh and, and in some cases a, a real to scale orthomosaic uh of the crime scene and in some cases, it almost relieves us of the necessity to have uh, a, a wireframe drawing, if you will, uh, because now when we click on a picture, we just don't have a pixel of information. We have geometry with that as well that, that solves so many problems that we never had the opportunity to solve in the past.
3: I think to add to what Steve was saying was the nice thing about the aerial images, um, a lot of times in my career, we've noticed pieces of evidence that was not documented or was not documented correctly. And utilizing a a UAV to fly over a scene and take a multitude of pictures kind of alleviates some of that problem we've seen over the years.
0: Chris, I'm glad you chimed in because this next question I had was for you. Uh, You've been in scene documentation for almost 25 years now, 15 of which were spent with the Kansas Highway Patrol. Um, So you've also spent a long time seeing this technology evolve and the methodologies around it evolve as well. What did forensic mapping and accident reconstruction look like at the beginning of your career? And what kind of technology was assisting back then? And how accurate were the processes? Give us kind of a I'll look back.
3: Well, this is kind of going to branch off to what Steve just said. When I began my, my career in law enforcement, the primary method for documenting any type of crash scene or crime scene was to utilize a roll of tape and a tape measure to take hand measurements, uh, also photography, terrestrial um, on-scene photography. Um, total stations had just came into to use... Um, probably a few years prior to that. Uh, they weren't very widespread throughout the, the area where I worked. Uh, my agency was utilizing total stations uh, somewhat, uh, but not many other people were doing so at that time. And as the years go went by, it became more accepted method to document a crash scene. Um, the early total station systems were a little bit more cumbersome, and for a person that's, I guess, for lack of a better word, not a technology person, they were they could be very difficult uh, to to set up and to operate. Um, and it took a, a fair amount of training and, and a huge amount of uh, use to become comfortable with those systems. Um, as we've moved along through these years, uh, the systems are becoming uh, much more user-friendly with the total stations, uh, scanners. Uh, and that's what's nice about the UAS. They're also very user-friendly to where they're not as, I guess, techno- technologically challenging to a first-time user. Um the accuracy of the total station, I mean, it's still an incredibly accurate tool. Um, one of the downfalls about the total station uh, in, in some instances is, you know, you're tying up that roadway for a long, longer period of time than you would with a UAS. Um, you're actually having to be out near the traffic, which is always a terrible thing for anybody that's worked around traffic. Um, so this technology has involved not only to, produce a better product and make it easier for the user, it's also making it safer for the user that has to be out there on the side of the roadway documenting these crash scenes.
0: So, Kurt, this question is for you, and this is a little more focused on data, um, but when we compare traditional methods of crime and crash investigation to aerial methods, uh, specifically UAV or drone methods, what are the main differentiators in the processes and the kind of data that you can collect? And feel free to get specific and robust with some of the differences.
4: Yeah, so the big obvious difference is going to be the appearance of the final product. Um, when you map something with a total station, uh, or you know, even with a, a tape measure and a roll of tape, um, the result is a you know, it could be a highly accurate collection, um, but it's still just a collection of points and lines that represent something, you know, on the paper or on the screen. When you map with a drone, you're getting these detailed photographs that's being used to build everything that you see. So we end up with a detailed mosaic image of the entire mapped area and can see the actual evidence, not just a representation of it. Uh, Since images can also be used to create point clouds at the same time, you get more final products. You don't just get a diagram. You also get a, you know, like a point cloud, and without having to use multiple pieces of equipment or multiple different methods to collect the same data. But regardless of the equipment used, uh, some of the processes don't change. Uh, it's been touched on briefly already, but, um, you know, we always start by isolating a scene to try and prevent spoiling any of the data or losing any of the evidence. And we try and keep it uh, the way it is until we've thoroughly documented and collected everything. Well, that involves shutting down roads or areas, preventing people from moving through. Um, and that can be a real problem depending on the location. And that's where the drone starts to come in real handy because we speed up that collection process. We get things back to normal much quicker. Uh, And along with that, you know, another big benefit is the ability to map large areas, you know, in a single step, uh, as opposed to the traditional methods, which require line of sight to each point that you want to map. Um, That means a lot of setups and takedowns of different equipment, moving things around, um, that is where the process becomes really different you know the drone flies overhead capturing all the data while you monitor it and it's going to capture thousands or even millions of points of data in, in a short period of time I did a, a rural intersection recently it was in the middle of farm country crops on all four corners and the main issue that I was there to to map was was to investigate the sight distance uh, of the roadways approaching the intersection. Could the vehicles see each other as they approached and how far back? To answer that question, I had to map thousands of square feet of these crop fields. So my main problems were the size of the area that I had to do, uh, which would have required you know, hundreds of points uh, to create an accurate 3D model of the terrain. But also, I needed to map the crops, not the ground, uh, and so the drone allowed me to map a huge area in a very short period of time, and it created an accurate representation of the height and visibility of the crops themselves rather than the ground underneath it.
2: Yeah, Daniel, you know, in in the old days, I say old days cause, probably because I'm the oldest guy on this conversation, but in the old days, when you presented your investigation to the courtroom, Uh, You always had a picture of what you were talking about, and then you had data. And it was always a two-step process by talking about the piece of information or the piece of evidence and then showing a picture uh, of what it looked like. And so you had uh, basically geometry in one hand and you had a photograph in the other hand. And visualizing... Uh, a crime scene sometimes is difficult for jurors, but with this technology, the data is the photograph, and so that's what makes this such a, a beautiful uh, presentation tool in the courtroom, and it and it really helps people uh, with the ability to understand, understand a spatial relationship between pieces of evidence or objects or people even uh, at a crime scene or an accident scene.
0: And that, at the end of the day, is uh, the most important function here, is anything to help make the crime scene or the crash scene uh, easier to understand and easier to dissect, not just from the trained officials that are working the scene, but like you said, jurors that, you know, are there to make critical decisions. Uh, That's going to be, I mean, pretty life changing and um, pretty pretty system changing as well too to hopefully our, our justice system and um, and you know whether it's it's civil or or beyond sure that's that's exactly right you know and we're not we're not trying to take the
2: um, the responsibility out of anybody else's hands Um the, you know, the judge is the gatekeeper of the truth. He's the one that protects the jury and makes sure that they hear reliable uh, scientific information. And what this technology does, it just makes it easier for everybody in this process. So you don't have to sort of visualize um, spatial relationship, and it, and it takes the possibility of making those mistakes away. So it's, it's a good tool for everybody.
0: All right, Rick, this question is for you, Um, but being on the micro drones team, why would you say drones are a better, if not the best option for aerial capture of this data? And how have you seen drones not just replace other forms of data capture analysis and investigation, but kind of stack on top of other methods that already exist to help build a more comprehensive picture of a crash or crime scene?
1: Sure, Daniel. So to speak a little bit about that, um, as I've said in the past, there's never a, a lack of interest or ideas of what can be done with a drone. When you're looking at drones for crash site reconstruction or forensic analysis, um, as the other members of the panel have discussed multiple times, there's benefits of being able to get to a site, cover more area quicker with a drone, therefore allowing the flow of traffic to continue, keeping the actual uh, data recorder or the members on site safe by keeping them away from traffic and those additional hazards, um, and then getting all of the data in one piece, you know, the OrthoMosaic that's been georeferenced for being able to do the measurements and presentation. In addition, you know, to the what uh, Stephen mentioned earlier, the economic significance of, of having a site closed down and backing up traffic. We've also seen some benefits for the law enforcement agencies utilizing the equipment and UAVs on site, such as you know reducing the amount of overtime that's being needed for just crash site reconstruction. Uh, we've seen some of that documented in the Washington Post where they talk about different agencies using uh, UAVS solutions as being able to do the crash site reconstruction and, and the savings and costs they've seen. So as of right now, um, Everything's kind of in its infancy as the emergent market for UAVs as well as the forensic mapping applications. Uh, but we're only going to see this technology adopted more often by agencies as we see the benefits come you know, to fruition. And, and agencies have set good paths on how they're going to move forward documenting this um, procedures and using the UAS solutions.
2: I, I think Rick really recapped it very well. You know, the uh, the economic considerations here um, are, are pretty big. It's it's difficult sometimes for a, a sheriff or a chief of police or, or even the colonel of the highway patrol to convince the um the legislative body of, of their government to provide the funds to purchase this kind of technology. But once but once they understand that there, there are economic benefits to using the technology that, that really don't put money back in the agency's budget, but is good for the overall community. You know, it's, it's really easy to spend money when, when you see those kind of benefits.
0: I don't think y'all could have segued any better into my next open-ended question here, but I wanted to open it up to everyone again. We're going to break down some costs here. So I want to ask you all, um, and you can pull from... Your personal experiences, so whether it's it's time costs or literal money costs that affect your day-to-day or whether you've seen it just as a part of the industry as a whole, but what would you all say are the biggest costs that are associated with crime and crash scene investigations? And do you think going aerial with this technology and this data capture is enough to bring those costs down? Go ahead and break that down between y'all.
4: Well, time spent on scene is you know, one of the biggest uh, monetary costs associated with um, with forensic mapping. You, you've got a number of people on a scene, the time it takes for them uh, to be there, uh, the what you're spending in the manpower is going to outweigh the equipment costs, Um, you know, when it's all said and done every time. And so it really does come down to reducing the amount of time that you spend on scene.
2: And I, I, I agree with Kurt. I mean, the biggest expense for a police department uh, is manpower. And, you know, investigations uh, don't wait for good weather. Um, they don't wait for the sun to come up. Uh, they have to be conducted uh, while the scene is being protected. Um on some occasions, extra manpower is called in to uh, meet those time requirements uh, because evidence is is ticking away. Every minute that goes by, that evidence is deteriorating uh, while it's being even while it's being protected. So if you have if you have ten tasks to complete and you only have five officers to complete those tasks, uh, it's pretty easy to figure out that it takes twice as long to do that. Or you call in five more officers and you apply ten officers to ten tasks. It's it's a pretty simple calculation and, it, and it's a huge expense for departments uh, to the public uh, it's really returning the scene back to its intended use and, and the free flow of of the economy um, you know the the worst the worst part of every crime or crash scene uh, is the loss of life and and what folks you know don't often understand is that the investigation of that crime or that crash scene is intended to determine how and why it happened. Uh, and only through the determination of how and why can we work as a as a society to make sure that those incidents don't happen again. And so it's important uh, uh, to everybody involved, the officers, the departments, the public, that those scenes be processed efficiently uh, with the proper amount of, amount of manpower uh, with as little expense as possible to get the job done and done properly.
3: And I just want to add maybe a, a little bit of a different perspective perspective, um, all these systems, a total station, a scanner, a, a UAS, can cost a fair amount of money. What is kind of different about the UAS, at least for police forces, is it doesn't just have to be used to investigate a crime scene. It doesn't have to just be used to investigate a craft scene or a crash scene, uh, an agency can utilize it in many different ways, whether it's through surveillance, whether it's through crowd monitoring, uh, traffic monitoring. It, it gives them a platform that if they buy the right platform from the get-go and have the ability to place different payloads on it, it, it allows them to have a multifunctional tool for, for many of the day-to-day functions that law enforcement does throughout this country.
1: Yes, and that's absolutely correct to kind of chime in on what was just said. So, with the solutions that provide the ability to meet multiple applications, um, you know, we go right back to the never lack of interest in ideas and in what can be done with a UAV solution. So, what we see for kind of its inception with UAVs for photogrammetry or mapping and surveying applications. Um, It's the same points of what you're going to see for pros in using the solution with forensic mapping or crime scene analysis. You know, being able to reduce the amount of manpower and cost associated with it on site and being able to cover the area much quicker using a UAV to get the same type of data that you would with traditional methods.
0: All right, Rick. This question is back to you. So, even though you've been in the industry for a few years now, UAVs and forensic mapping are still part of a relatively new market. This hasn't become, uh, you know, a standard quite yet. What's an example of these UAVs in action uh, at a crime scene or a crash scene that you think really speaks to the impact of this technology? You know, an example you might use to help convince um, other either local law enforcement agencies or companies to maybe become distributors of yours or to think of purchasing these products.
1: Sure. So Daniel, what we see with the drones and and the aspects going back to the previous question is, you know, reducing cost and getting as good of as if not better data than what you would have seen with traditional methods. Um, Regardless of it's a mapping for building, design, construction, or for forensic applications, all of those same factors come into play when using the UAV technology. What we see in law enforcement or for forensic mapping um, is a lot of programs getting started with consumer grade drones, um, something that you're capable of buying online or something you're capable of buying in a big box store. Um, They're using it to get started, get their feeling for how to use the solution in doing forensic mapping or crime scene investigation. Um, And as these programs get established and they have an established workflow, we're gonna start seeing a lot more organizations looking for advanced solutions, like some of the things micro drones can offer to help reduce uh, the overall cost and time and collection of that data in speaking with law enforcement agencies that have already implemented programs with consumer-grade drones, we see the benefits um, immediately. At least they are able to state the benefit immediately in using the drones, You know, showing that they have initial costs for purchase of the equipment and training and any software associated with that. But the cost savings they've seen um, for the local economy of getting traffic up and running a lot quicker, um, being able to protect the citizens out there both the public as well as the law enforcement officers on site gathering the data and then any additional monetary costs associated with overtime or the amount of manpower they have on site. So we've seen the ROI discussed with these law enforcement agencies as coming back very, very quickly. And they have justification then to move forward with their UAV program or continue to expand upon it for those forensic and crime scene applications.
0: And Steve, I want to uh, direct the follow-up here to you and kind of just ask you the same question. Um, do you have any examples out of CSI mapping that you would point to as you know, really key examples of how this uh, UAV technology really assists in forensic mapping and the kinds of changes it can make to the investigation or to cutting costs or any aspect of the process?
2: Yeah, Daniel, there's a, there's a couple of things that, that you really need to think about um it's the it's number one is the what you end up with as a work product uh, it's the system's ability to document evidence with advanced clarity uh, with high resolution for photogrammetry uh, and then the exceptional mapping that comes from that photogrammetry uh, One of the things that we always worried about as a as a coordinator of a, an accident reconstruction unit uh, our my agency when I worked for law enforcement Uh, started out with two total stations and well we covered 84,000 square miles and so there were many occasions where you spent two or three hours on the road just getting that equipment uh, to the scene and then you had a, a fair amount of time with the documentation because each point of physical evidence whether it's based on the geometry of the roadway or a skid mark or a tire mark or where a gun was found. Each of those is a point of geometry that was uh, systematically and independently measured one at a time. With this technology, uh, you're measuring basically millions of points of geometry in a very short period of time. And so as we see these systems evolve, uh, I think they're going to get smaller, they're going to get less expensive, and and in some day, I don't know that maybe it'll be in our lifetime, but in some day, uh, we'll see a, a UAS type of Uh, documentation system in every patrol car. And so it won't be an hour or two to get this piece of equipment to the accident scene or the crime scene. It'll be there with the first responding officer uh, and eliminate all of that, that logistical problem that we've seen for years.
0: Steve, one more question to you here, but do you see UAVs just in general being a more accessible technology in that do you see UAV is, for this purpose, being easier to train analysts and law enforcement agents or officials on. Uh, I, I absolutely I do. I mean, I
2: I, I was on the ground when uh, the first forensic mapping class was developed thirty years ago, and uh, I can I can tell you that those classes are a challenge for some students when you're trying to understand the advanced geometry that uh, that a total station documents. How it uses polar coordinate geometry in one fashion and converts it to Cartesian coordinate geometry, and then into a CAD program, and and sometimes that's that's a bit much to consume in a 40 hour week the the technology that we have that's coming out of the UAS industry is just phenomenal. Uh, the MD Cockpit, for example, the software that's used for mission planning and execution at these incident sites is about as easy to use as any crime scene tool I've ever seen. It, it's it's really amazing. And it, it doesn't take any more than the end of your finger on a tablet to tell it what to do. It's it, And it's very, very reliable.
0: All right, Kurt, got one question for you here. Since this technology pulls in so much data, what additional tools are available to help sift through it so that you don't get lost in the numbers whether you are a law enforcement official or, you know, whether you are a lawyer now u- utilizing that data in a courtroom setting?
4: Well, one of the nice things about it is, uh, you know, the post-processing after you've flown the mission, after you've captured the data, um, you know, the software, it, it really renders it for you. Uh, you can you can change some settings, you can pick some options, but for the most part it is put into a final project uh, for you and it's really as simple as looking at a photograph, um, albeit one that you can rotate 360 degrees and zoom in and out of uh, and study carefully. Uh, but your final project is it's just there for you. the software takes care of it for you Uh, and so what you end up with is a final product um, that anybody can understand Um, you don't need to understand you know three million points of data were used to build this you just know that when you look at it uh, what you see is an accurate representation of what was there
2: i think the point that that kurt mates makes is uh is very valid um you know, in the old days, the, the basic question on the witness stand is, officer, is this picture a fair and accurate representation of uh, of what you saw at the, at the incident site? And the answer was, well, sure it is. Well, you know, we're still answering that question today, even though there's additional data that, that's associated with that. And it's it's not difficult to understand or explain.
0: Right. And now that answer can be given with considerably more confidence using technology like this. Is, is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. Now, last main question I'm going to field to Chris. Um, but as UAVs hopefully become more standardized in this industry, what would you say are some best practices for piloting, for data capture and analysis, just methodologies in general, or just anything else that you'd say are crucial to efficient use of forensic mapping technologies?
3: Well, Daniel, I, I'm going to break this down into three points. the The, fir- the first point is this is a new Technology and the methodologies and the best practices are are still being developed. Uh, We have to work within the guideline of the FAA, and as drones become more standardized in our world, you know, those rules are probably going to change, and we're going to have to be able to adapt to them as we move along. Uh, I think the first point or the first thing that you have to take into account is training. Um, Training, uh, having good training um, from everyday real-world users um, is a key to success in any endeavor uh, in the uh, crash investigation or crime scene investigation world. I've sat through many classes over the 25 years of experience I've had, and I've taught many classes in forensic mapping and accident reconstruction coursework, and I've always appreciated learning from individuals that are actually out there in the world doing that type of work or using this type of technology on a day-to-day basis. Um, The second point, and also a very key point, is having a good product to begin with. Um, You know, in my years of, of just being a, a human being, I've learned that, you know, sometimes you end up buying the same product three or four times before you get what really works for you. And what we've seen here at uh, McKinsey & Associates and CSI Mapping is is the Microdrome products, uh, along with MD Cockpit, offer us a very reliable and flexible platform to accomplish many different tasks that, that we approach every day in, in our in our uh, field of work. Um, it's certainly very capable of, of handling just about any mission we've thrown at it so far. And as, as the years go by, and as this technology keeps expanding, you know, I, I think we'll probably see more applications uh, as we go along that, that we're not even thinking of at this point.
0: I feel like that's a good one for some other people to kind of wrap up their thoughts on the whole podcast. Uh, so if anyone wants to chime in there, I'll kind of open that up to everyone to give some final thoughts.
4: Yeah, Daniel, when it, you know, when it comes to actually piloting and capturing the data, good mission planning makes all the difference. Uh, flight can be optimized. Uh, to capture the most data in the shortest distance, uh, which makes the best use of your time and your battery life. Uh, So you have to take care uh, when you're selecting things, altitude, speed, uh, how much overlap camera trigger speed, all those things need to meet the needs of the mission. And factors like uh, the terrain, airspace restrictions, uh, the desired level of detail, number of images, size of the area, all those things have to be accounted for. And it sounds really daunting at first, uh, but with just a little bit of experience, you really quickly learn how to balance all those factors and set up the mission to quickly capture everything you need. And that's the real benefit of using micro drones, with MD Cockpit versus some of the other systems that I have flown. Uh, The interface with MD Cockpit is so straightforward. uh, It just makes mission planning very simple. Uh, It allows you to easily see and adjust every setting that can affect your final product. You actually know before you take off that all your parameters are set properly and that your final product is going to come out exactly as you expect it to because you you can almost see it ahead of time.
2: You know, Daniel, I, I think one thing that, that maybe some of the listeners don't appreciate, when a, when a survey company is called upon to, to conduct a mission, uh, they may have several days to plan that mission. And you can be very well prepared uh, before you launch uh, to go out to the, to the site that's in question. Well, in law enforcement applications that mission planning and launch may be a matter of 10 minutes and so uh, our goal at CSI Mapping is to uh, help new users understand the complexities uh, with mission planning uh, make that a step by step process that they can integrate into their investigation process uh, so that it becomes extremely easy for them and, uh, and repetition is everything, practice is everything and uh, we're seeing agencies that are now able to conduct uh, aerial missions like this, uh, really with the same type of, of accuracy and precision that a, a SWAT team or a surgeon does. They know just exactly which steps need to be conducted in which order, and it's very, uh, very official, uh, but it's very efficient as well, and, and we're very pleased with what we're seeing so far.
1: Right, yeah, and to chime in there, Daniel, one of the things I always talk about to organizations looking at micro drones or looking at UAV solutions to meet different applications is is understanding the realistic expectations of getting good, actionable data. And these guys on the panel really talked um, well about that and stating, you know, understanding the requirements that you're looking to to gather from the data and understanding the requirements of the mission. So with something like MD Cockpit, having the ability to make those changes very quickly on the fly in the field, and that works with all of the different applications, depending on the payloads, um, is something very Handy and beneficial to have when you have your pilots out there uh, potentially in a situation where they haven't had a lot of time to prep and they need to be ensured that they're meeting all the parameters of their flight in the field. So um, one, as I mentioned previously, the realistic expectations of bringing on a UAV program is knowing those different points, you know, knowing what you're going to need to be doing. And setting up the mission, uh, both with planning the mission as well as on site, depending on your UAV technology and its capabilities, uh, how moving through the workflow of getting that good actionable data and processing it for something that you can deliver or speak to, and and what that really means, you know, how people are going to be able to interpret that and make decisions based upon it.
0: And just to sum up those points, I mean, I I completely agree with all of you on that. And I think what's so exciting about using drones and UAVs for this kind of work is that at least when you're dealing with a company like, let's say, Microdrones that does pride being a full solution company and not just a, you know, we're providing just the drones, but there's also the software, the tools, the payloads, Um, when you're dealing with a drone that is that flexible and that has that many customizable um, and kind of variable um, aspects to it that can bend depending on what job you're doing, what kind of data you need to capture, what the environment is like that day where you're out on, on the crime or crash scene. That removes a lot of that kind of mystery and weight off of the people on that scene that feel like they need to also be adapting under those pressures. So when the technology d- is frictionless between that, um, that adaptability, I think that is going to be really powerful for this industry and um, really going to let law enforcement officials uh, do their job better. Well, and we want it done
2: accurately as well. Remember uh, remember, the outcome of, of what we're documenting uh, may very well affect somebody's freedom. And the last thing in the world anybody wants to have happen is for there to be a mistake in this data that, that affects somebody's freedom. So we're very, very uh, careful in assuring uh, the accuracy
0: of the, the work that we produce and, and how we train people to produce that work. Couldn't agree more. All right, that does it for our panel today on Propelling, the Microdrones podcast. I'd like to welcome all of you for joining us and giving your insights on this. It was great having so many different perspectives to chime in and, um, and you know give varying levels of insight on the future of drones and UAVs in crime and crash scene investigation and analysis. It really seems like this technology can transform the industry for the better. And I'm looking forward to seeing how it does that. We're going to have to get you all back on for further conversations. But in the meantime, thank you again to Rick Rahel, West Region Sales Manager for Microdrones, Steve McKinsey, owner of CSI Mapping, Kurt Haberlack, Reconstructionist for McKinsey & Associates, and Chris Kaberline, Accident Reconstructionist for McKinsey & Associates. Rick, Steve, Kurt, and Chris, thank you all so much for joining us on the podcast. It was a pleasure. You bet. Have or a good small. day, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to more content, you can head to Microdrones' website or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time. Propelling, a Microdrones podcast.